All right, coming up, we're going with the unfollow heard around the world as Justin Fields unfollowed the Bears on Instagram. Finally, some big news with the Cubbies. Landon Belly last night. We're looking forward to finally bringing some Cubs talk back to the show. And then we're going to close with my current addiction to the dunk contest and the history of it. And I'm going with my top 10 dunks of all time in the dunk contest. So it's the sports life. We're talking sports. Let's go. All right, we got Uncle Clint back this week. We were trying to get him on the show last week with Cooper Comstock because we had this challenge going. Uh, he's going to get five snaps, and he's going to try to get past Coop. And I'm telling you right now, Coop, get ready. Next time we have you on, we're going to the backyard. We're going five snaps. Uncle Clint's got five tries to get by you. The video is going to get posted on Instagram, and this thing has a good chance of going viral. <laughs> Because <laughs> I don't know if Uncle Clint can handle more than one snap. I think you might be gassed after one snap. I'm not sure, but we're gonna make this happen, and we're gonna we're gonna see how that goes. So that's that's something that's coming up. We're calling it the Coop Challenge. Uncle Clint's gonna take a shot, see if he can get to the quarterback, who I think is gonna be me. The quarterback <laughs> can't move though. He's just gonna stand back there. If I do happen to get around Coop, we'll put Caden back. We'll put Caden yeah. back there with a weighted vest on. If I do any extra kind of running around after after maybe getting around him, it's not gonna look too good. This is true. Know. This is true. All right, we're gonna have to jump right into this field stuff because I don't know how many more weeks we're gonna get to talk about this because. He's going to get traded soon. It really feels that way. And he basically, the way we, the reason we're bringing him up this week is he unfollowed the Bears on Instagram. Then he was on the St. Brown Brothers podcast and they asked him about it. He said he's going on vacation. He doesn't want the distraction and so forth. The bottom line there is, is if you don't want a distraction, don't be on your phone. Don't be on social media. You're not going to unfollow a team. I looked at Fields' Instagram account. He's got almost 800 things that he follows. So, there's plenty of football stuff coming through. If, if Justin's getting traded or there's any Bears talk, he's going to know about it. It's not going to be he's not going to be the first guy because something gets posted on Instagram. He's going to know from the team. So that was a pretty much a telltale sign that his days are numbered. I, I, I think he's going to get traded, and I think he's going to get traded. I said on this pod month, month and a half ago, the man's going to the Atlanta Falcons. That's going to be their next quarterback. Fields will be traded to the Falcons. I think by Friday of this week. He's going to be out of town. Uh, they got to figure out what they're doing. You can't stay in limbo here. you got to make a decision. So I think the trade fields get hopefully a, maybe a first-rounder, hopefully a second-rounder for him, uh, and draft some capital, maybe some offensive line help uh, for uh, the new quarterback coming in uh, who may or may not be uh, Caleb Williams. But uh, we'll have to see what happens from here. I put the Falcons down as, as one of the two. Uh, the Steelers are the other one for me that I think could trade for him. And those are definitely, I think, the top two candidates. I guess there was a bunch of, I guess he followed Drake London and some other guys from the Falcons. So there was a little bit of um, some lines drawn there that they think that's where he's going to go. Caden, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, I've been saying it all along. This this Caleb Williams thing, this is the way it's going to go down, like it or not. And I like it because I think that it is Taking your best shot, hit or miss, you have to try. I would in that situation once they trade fields. I'd, I'd maybe go after Marvin Harrison Jr. and shift down the draft and take a Bo Nix. I, I still believe that this Bo Nix guy is, is going to be the, the real deal. I think he's going to be the, the steal of the draft. And Taylor Williams scares me a lot because 
He's going in with no agent. Uh, you know, was he not on, really on that good of a team, or is he just a guy that when he gets under pressure, he really can't get the job done? This is all stuff we're going to have to find out, and that's not really good having to learn stuff about that if you're going to draft a guy number one overall and keep him as a as a franchise quarterback. I personally think the guy's going to bust out, but I'm of the, of the minority on that. A lot of people think he's going he's gonna to be great. I think there's a lot of Bears fans that feel that way, and, and I don't blame them. I think that it's just that natural feeling that you get based on the Bears' history with quarterbacks. But again, you got to take your shot. This is it. The Bears are loaded with draft capital. They got a good team. They got a good defense. This is their chance to make a run at a Super Bowl three years out. That's the number I've been putting on it. Caden, what do you got on this Fields thing? Caleb Williams is going to suck. He's going to get cut the first three years. Um, he's in the NFL. He won't last three years in the NFL. I don't want to keep talking about this field stuff, but I'll tell you right now, Caleb Williams is going to last in the oh, NFL. Well. No, yes, he well. is. He'll be around, well, and course, he's going to be. I, and I we're going to we'll be. Hey, you're going to have to. This is this is the tape right no, here. This is going to be on the air. You're going to have might to be around, but he might be holding. He's going to be a Mitchell Trubisky. But also, <laughs> I, I also really feel like if he if he does well, which I don't think he will. Chicago fans owe him a lot of a big apology because guys like DJ Moore, basically a, a lot of Chicago fans, everyone's thinking he sucks. If he somehow does really, really good, even even me, you know, he he should be owing a lot of respect because he's been doing like everybody's like, oh, he's gonna suck, and if he doesn't suck, like I think there's a difference between people saying the, the word suck and saying not special. I think I've heard people say that they don't think he's gonna be special. I've heard that word tossed around. There's a difference. Actually, I don't hear a lot of people saying they don't think he's going to be any Actually, good. there's a lot of people that think this guy's the next coming of Jesus Christ. There's also more people. More people think that than don't think the guy's going to be any good. I, I, just, any good. I, I remember the Bears fans, too, when we got Fields saying that Fields was the best. He's going to be the man. He's great to snap. The problem is Bears fans know nothing about quarterbacks, and that's proven because for the last 75 years, they've never looked at a good quarterback, so they don't have any idea what they're looking at. It's true. That's so, true. Mean, they just they get somebody that they think's gonna be good and, and the guy's not that good. I hope Caleb Williams makes me eat my words, but but I, I just don't I, I don't think if he has trouble against uh college defenses when he gets a little pressure put on him, what is he gonna do when he gets when he gets in the pros? You know, I mean it's just uh, We're gonna find out. We're going to find out, but I'll tell you this. i got to get something else off my chest about this interview that he had on the St. Brown Bros podcast. I don't know how it came out, but, again, this is something more for me personally that's not on the sports front. But he said, yeah, Drake, Drake's the GOAT. He says Drake's the GOAT. First of all, this is coming from – Drake like uh, who? He, Drake, the hip-hop artist. Uh-oh. He said he's the GOAT. Okay, I'm a hip-hop <laughs> head. I've been a, I've been a hip-hop head since the, mi- since the early the 90s. And let me tell you this right now. It's what, if you want to go LeBron, MJ, whatever you want to do, at least you're talking about one, two. Drake's not in the top 20 all-time MCs when it comes to hip-hop. He might be I, in the top 20. I don't think he's 20. He might get somewhere in that 15 to 20 range. But let me tell you right now, the, the top three, and you can argue order, is Nas, Rakim, and Eminem. It's almost, See, I, in I my opinion, Snoop, almost Snoop not debatable. No. Snoop Dogg is a guy that made. No, 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 no. Snoop, see, this is... This is people like you. You don't know hip-hop, all right? You don't know hip-hop 
the way I know hip hop. All right, no, I'll no, come. No. <laughs> He's Snoop's West Coast. Snoop's West Coast. There was a specific sound. He had a very specific genre. Snoop's in my top ten with Dre, kind of rounding out that top ten area. But I'm talking about people confuse rappers with hip hop too. This is another thing. When you talk about hip hop, these guys are generational. Nas had an album called Illmatic that he brought into the game. Nine songs, no gimmicks, probably the greatest hip-hop album of all time. And Nas has stayed relevant in the game for 30 years. Then you jump to Rakim. He's the actually the guy that started piecing multi-syllable rhymes together. He changed the way hip-hop sounds. He's like the Steph Curry of three-point shooting. That's what Rakim is to the game. He's back from the 80s. See, I don't know he's, he's, he is, he's like the father of it. He, he actually changed the way the music Eminem's sounds. Eminem's a rapper. He ain't no hip-hop. Eminem is, no, Eminem is an MC. And if you look at his career, he changed from album to album. He changed the way he sounded. He changed what he talked about. All through the years, and he stayed relevant through different styles, from from just being kind of a goofy rapper talking about crazy stuff to actually, you know, in some cases being more inspirational in later times in his life. M changed the game from that perspective, and also just you know coming up with Dre being a, a white hip hop artist. Again, this could be a whole different show. I don't want to stick on it too much. That's my top three. I got a whole nother list, guys that you wouldn't think are top five uh, rappers. But to me, they're top five MCs. I got Andre 3000 from Outkast. I got Black Thought from The Roots. Another, I got guys like this. Another guy that I would put up there is Notorious B.I.G., that guy. And Notorious Big was getting the game going before he got he got killed. He was going to be a major player. Big, big and Pac, both top ten, for sure. Big is probably the greatest storyteller in hip-hop history. He could just tell a story on the mic. Like nobody's ever seen. I definitely got Big and Pac kind of together in my top ten. I like 10. Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick. Kendrick Lamar is also top ten for me. I got I, I got Cole. I, just, I got J. Cole and Kendrick, who are the newer artists in my top ten, and then I round out the top ten with Dre and Snoop together because those sounds went together. I do, but to me, Snoop he he revolutionized the game, man. Snoop was the guy that that got people listening to rap music. Snoop Dogg. And and you're He's not the guy that got people in the game. None of these other guys would even exist if Snoop Dogg wasn't around. Well keep in He's mind West Coast broke. came West Coast rap actually came a little bit later than a lot of the East Coast rap. And it was a very specific sound sound, specific style. Dre actually is the guy that brought Snoop into the game. So if you want to give credit, right. Dre from NWA with his production skills. Because he can't sing. No, no, Dre can rap, Dre can rap, but Dre's not an MC. There's a difference. Snoop is. Snoop's an MC. Snoop's solid, and Snoop's been relevant for a long time, and Snoop has a lot of commercial success, but I'm talking about guys from, like, hip-hop heads, guys that know the game, in my opinion. That's where my opinion comes from a little bit more. Like, like a lot of people put Jay-Z in the conversation. I don't. I think he's a commercial success. I think he's a pretty good MC. I put him in, like, that 10, probably that 11 to 15 range where I got, like, a whole list of other artists. He's um, pretty good, just like Dre. I don't think either one of them guys got a very good voice. Again, a lot of people would argue Jay-Z in the top three, but, again, I think he's more of that commercial success. I still put him behind guys like Guru, you know, some of the Wu-Tang members, Raekwon, Ghostface. I got a whole whole list that I could go through, but, what again. Paul Wall? Yeah, Paul Wall, the people's champ. I mean, you put – but if you go back and you listen to how – Rakim changed the game. Him and Nas are always, they've always been like my one, two. And, and Nas is just so special. Just his, the way that he went from kind of like a, a gritty young artist back in the early 90s to then changing his game to now where he's got like a level of class, mixing in a ton of jazz to his, you know, to his hip hop. And he's still relevant. Nas is still putting out music, but 
it, the game has changed so much. But the, the newer guys that I like, and they're not necessarily new, but it would be J. Cole and Kendrick Lamar are kind of those newer guys. But when I hear someone call Drake the GOAT, Drake don't even write his own stuff. Drake has put out some good music, and, and I, Caden and I like him in the gym. We think he's got some good music um, that kind of goes well with workouts and things like that. But he's I don't think of hip-hop when I think of Drake. And and I had another t- early 20-something tell me within the last two weeks, oh, yeah, Drake's the go. I'm like, oh, man, I can't. I got to say something about this on the pod. That's why I always put, like, Tom Petty above a lot of the other guys because Petty actually wrote his own music. That's huge. That makes you so much better of a musician when you actually write what you sing as opposed to somebody else writing it for you and you singing it. Petty wrote all of his own songs. That's why, to me, Petty is one of the kings of rock and roll. Petty was awesome. One of my favorites. Definitely one of the kings, no doubt. That would be a whole nother list if you get into that. Oh, yeah. See, it's harder when you get into that because you got a lot more. You start talking about bands or groups right. and multiple people as opposed to individuals. You can have the same discussion in hip-hop because right. when what's a group in hip-hop? There was a lot of duos like where you get to, um, you know, you go outcast and, and then you can get into a group that had like a bunch of members but like Wu-Tang. About the Super Bowl halftime show. We talked about it a little bit. Usher is... Is that the only word you got for this pot? Is that all you're going to throw out? Because Usher, Usher's solid, but again, Usher's not going to grab a large demographic there. He did it for free, though. That was cool. Usher's, Usher's a fantastic artist, and he's very skilled, and he can dance, and he can do all that. But again, he's not... He was more of like an R&B guy. He wasn't really a hip-hop guy. And the Super Bowl halftime show needs what like Dre brought, when Dre brought Snoop. Eminem, 50, Mary J. Blige. Like, you're bringing some of the top people in the game on one stage. Kendrick was there, too. You're representing a specific demographic of the nation, that that Compton area. And that was just – and then you got it in L.A. It was so cool where this really didn't have all of those vibes with it. You know, it didn't have everything. It had – I think it was – where was the Super Bowl this year? Uh, it was in um... – Las Vegas. It was in Vegas, right? So it doesn't see nobody's really from Vegas. <laughs> That's kind of a what transplant type of area. So what do you mean? It seemed like there's the, who do you know from Vegas? That's what I mean. I don't know a lot of people out of the state of Illinois. <laughs> my point being is like tr- Vegas is a transplant type of area. And just so you know, if you're rubbing your face on the microphone, I'm not. I don't think your sound is going to come through any better. All right. So that's my rant. That's my hip hop rant. I'm going to have to do a whole show on it at another time. And I reclaim. Solid call with Snoop though. I mean, Snoop's a top ten guy. I don't want to. I don't want to take him down because believe me, I was listening to a lot of commercial stuff when I was in my younger years, and there was a ton Wasn't of Snoop and Dre going. Well, you listen to that music your whole life. Oh, my whole Snoop life. Got a better, my whole got a life. And as I've idea. as I've gotten older, I've dug more into the history of it, and even started playing sounds that I didn't play when I was younger where I listened to way more commercial like, stuff. I mean, like, I was Pac. Like, like I played classic rock in these bars, and people are like, "How do you even know?" Those songs, those songs were like before you were even born, you know. And it's like this is what I listened to when I came up. This is the this is the music that I know. That you're exactly you're that way with with the hip hop and the rap and stuff like that. That's what you grew up on. Where I was more classic rock and things of that nature, but. But I love music. I'm a music fan through and through. Hip hop's my number one, but I am a music fan all the way. And I love Patty, and I love a lot of different artists and a lot of different types of music. I love. So we're moving on. All right, Cubs back in the news today. I'll turn this one over to Caden to start. He's been waiting for the Cubs to do something, and I want to hear what he's got to say about this, the belly deal. First, I'll outline it. 
uh, three years, eighty million with a with an opt out after every year. I believe he's got what has he got guaranteed, Clint? He's got uh, 30, 30, and twenty if he okay. opts in all three years. So I think the Cubs have an opt out after the second year. I think they're on the hook only for sixty million. This is a classic Boris deal when when the team when the teams out there are not the market he thought he had. He then kind of protects the player, shortens the term of the deal, puts opt-outs in there so the guy can get paid. He did it with Correa. He did the same thing with Correa. Correa yeah. was on a three-year, ended up opting out, and then and landing for six with the Twins I, for over 200. I so. actually think this was a great move by the Cubs for waiting and holding out here because they could have been jammed up and been on the hook for a big contract for a long stretch of time. And now if, if Ballinger doesn't perform, you only got to deal with him for one or two years and he's out the door. I actually think that the Cubs uh, outsmarted Boris on this one by holding out and waiting until the market dried up. And I think the Cubs uh, are going to end up winning on this deal because they they outweighed Boris. Boris usually always wins. He's the best agent out there. And, I mean, still getting a guy a two-year $60 million deal is not <laughs> – that's not losing by any means, but it, it – it's a good deal for the Cubs, and because nobody else seemed to be interested in Bellinger that much, it, it kind of helped, kind of helped the Cubs out. So I like the deal too. And Caden, I'm going to turn it to you right now. What do you got on this belly thing? I'm really excited because, like, you know, I really liked a guy. I really liked the guy like Bellinger. I got. I felt. <laughs> I felt like. Yeah, you're distracted. You're distracted because no, you're like at your phone. I, I That's felt, why I put I, you out there. Go ahead. What do you got? Yeah, you want no, you I want felt Cubs. Like Bellinger was a big player for us last year because he was um he <laughs> Oh boy. We got a meltdown going. This is what happens when grandma and grandpa too no, no, no. Threw too many sugar cookies can, over there. He can, dude. he can play multiple positions. Um you know, I feel like he did a nice job with his uh, adjustments uh with his you know, we still got the power and the Cubs needed power. Um, let me help. Why, let me help you out. That's why they're keeping I'm, wisdom. I'm, but also, I like the way that he didn't. He limited his strikeout rate, and he still could. I wish they leave him in center no. and leave Crow Armstrong down for a little while because I, I don't think the Crow is ready to come up and play in the big leagues yet. Caden made his best point late there, and that's that Bellinger, in my opinion, made a change to his game that has some sustainability to it, and that's that he shortened his swing. His his. Exit velo was way down last year, but all his numbers were way up because your exit velo can be what it is. If you're not, if your strikeout rate's forty percent, you have to hit the ball, make contact with it. And he he learned something new last year that I believe is sustainable, and I believe it's sustainable for a two seventy five average, eighty five RBIs, twenty five home runs. I think that's where you're going to be in that range with Bellinger. I don't think you're going to get you know three twenty five and forty homers or something like that. But I think. He's found some sustainability by shortening that swing up. He's a solid defender. He's versatile. The Cubs used him a lot last year at first and also in center field. I had the split down here somewhere, but I think it was something like, um, you know, 60 games in one spot and 80 in the other or something like that. Yeah. So he, he really had a nice split between the positions. The Cubs and, you know, love the versatility. Play, uh, what the, what, like a high level. I think that's important. Oh, right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, those, I, are, I, those are two positions. I would prefer him in center myself. I mean, leave, leave Crow down. And and put Bellinger in center field, and he also did a he also did a nice job filling in the spots that we needed players like first base. I'm not really sure. I'm I'm assuming Bellinger's gonna play some uh, uh, games at uh, first base, but also they could get, like wisdom 
Uh, they had that. They picked up that uh, Matt Beatty guy. He's an infielder. He can basically play every infield position. Uh, but in in center, they got options. I think they have more options in center than first. Like they got Talkman, they got Peter Armstrong, they have Belly. Well, it, um, it sounds then, like uh, Council wants to use this guy, the guy from the Dodgers, as a first baseman. What's that guy's name? That, Matt they, Bush. Bush. Yeah, they just hired. Like, they just. They just brought somebody on. Oh, yeah, that's what's this Matt guy? Bush. Yeah, the guy from the Dodgers. Yeah, yeah he's they, he's, he's going to compete. They, they said. Yeah, I to, and Council made it sound like he was going to be the first baseman, but that was before Bellinger got signed too. So that could that could change all that around. I but, mean, they're really piecing something good together here, and I, I agree with you one hundred percent. I think that this was really smart by waiting. I mean, I think that if you could have got really excited early on with all the moves that were happening with Shohei going and Glasnow and the Dodgers really. But if you look back at it, the Dodgers were really the only team that spent money. I mean, I think other teams are tightening the purse strings. The Royals are actually one of the more aggressive teams, the the Kansas City Royals. The the Cubs may have made so many mistakes with guys like Hayward and stuff in the past. I just think that by them holding out and and waiting, yeah, they had to put out some dough, but it's a short deal, and if it don't work out, you're not on the hook for seven or eight years of paying a guy that's not productive. You're only on the hook for, for one or two, which is way, way better. And also, if you sign Bellinger to an eight-year deal and he doesn't do good, he's uh, no one's going to want his contract. So Correct. That's why we got stuck with guys like Hayward and, and things of that nature, because nobody wants guys that don't produce. And I, I love that this older, is a short-term deal. As you get older... You typically don't produce, so your your numbers typically are going to go down as you get older. So you know what is he twenty nine? He's twenty eight, I think. Twenty eight, okay. So you sign him to an eight year deal at thirty six. He's not going to be nowhere near as productive as he is on the front end. About the only long term deal that that I ever remember working out halfway decent was Pujols. I mean that guy produced pretty much his his whole career. But usually you sign guys to eight and ten year deals and. For that kind of money, but by the end of yeah, it, I'm right, assuming, for sure. I'm assuming off. probably with Scott Boris with his agent, if he has another good year, he's gonna be wanting a big contract because his mindset's gonna be, yeah. Yeah, I already had good two two good years. What else do I have to prove? Which you know that might not be. He could get away with that because yeah, I mean partly he's right, but when you look at a guy like Bellinger, two years might not be like as much but as you really. Here's, here's the advantage for the Cubs if he has a good year. And he opts out, they can still get back in the game and offer him money and resign him, or they can say, you know, he priced himself out. He's out of the market now. We don't want nothing to do with him. But at least we can get his production for a year, or maybe his non-production for a year while we're waiting for that to happen. Yeah, so, and also I feel like so, the Cubs depended too yeah, much on him. That. Like, you know, I feel like he's a good, he's a he's a fantastic player. But I also feel like if he's a guy that we're gonna have to depend on to win a World Series or make it to the playoffs, we're screwed because you saw. Last year, like when the Cubs tried, when the Cubs depended on Bellinger, the, our big players that really performed consistently and well in September when we were losing was Seiya Suzuki and Nico Horner and Dan's response was playing well. Bellinger was cold, so I think he's a good add-on. But if you depend on Bellinger as like a guy like um, Otani or something, the Cubs got other, need other players who can step up and help help him to really control his team. Well, the Cubs did some smart things here. I mean, th- this was a really good deal. They they signed the uh, Shota, which is a four-year, $53 million deal. I mean, they're not breaking the bank here, it's and they still loud. got room. If this guy's good. If this guy's Dude. good, $53 million's a bargain. Dude, they him. still got room here. They got You still got Snell on the board. You still got Montgomery on the board, and you still got Matt Chapman on the board. 
These are guys we can land with one out of those three. Well, for the I can't believe those three guys are still sitting out there. I mean, and and the Cubs are positioned to get them. The Cubs did not spend that much money here. We don't need Chapman. Go after yeah, if, you, if we get Chapman, Morel. I agree. I, I want the Chapman, pitching. Chapman, Morel screwed because Chapman's going to hold it. Because I, I, I think going to leave the team at home runs this year myself. If he plays every day, Morel, yeah. that guy's hitting 35 to 40 home runs. I think year. Council I wants his bat in there. I think you're going to see a lot more Morel this year. And if not, trade him. I mean, there's no reason to have that guy with that potential and not have him playing for your team. So you got to have him playing. I like the way this is laying I mean, out for yeah. them, though. I mean, I was, I I was upset. Is possible for him this year? If, he, if he's an everyday player, meaning 140 plus games, you know, I mean, I I just can't see it if you're not getting him out there. I mean, he's got to find his way into the lineup on a daily basis. You can't just have a guy, you know, coming in here and there. He, he's got to be able to keep his bat hot and just keep rolling with it because he's a guy that can get have a big month and maybe give you a, a you know a 12 to 15 homer month easy. Yeah, you know, get hot like when that. When you look so at like guys him. like him and Wisdom, I think the question is. I mean, the reason why Patrick Wisdom is still a Cub is because he can hit home runs. So I think the question for him and Wisdom is, would can you trade a, a, a good amount of strikeouts for no. a lot of home runs? I hate Nick Madrigal, but if I had my choice of keeping Madrigal or Wisdom, I want Madrigal every time because I don't want a guy that strikes out one out of every six or seven Yeah, well, Wisdom, he, 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 his power. I his mean, batting average is atrocious. I really feel like if yeah, Morello can find ways with two agree. strikes to shorten his swing and finally have a ball. I don't like Mandrigal, but at least Mandrigal can defensively play the position and then not strike yeah. out. Yeah, it was, cra- it was crazy because he strikes out too much. Wisdom was supposed to be the starting third baseman to start uh, last year, and Madrigal just snatched a spot. When Madrigal got hurt, it was Master Boney's spot, which I'm actually impressed by Master Boney, but it was, it was Madrigal, it was Wisdom's spot, and Madrigal basically just took it away and forced Wisdom the first. The Dodgers are so good right now that it hurts a little bit, but I actually like this team. I like this Cubs team. The pitching staff, you add one of those guys. You add a Montgomery and a Snell, which there's there's very good potential that they do that. They got this Wicks kid who looked awesome last year. They got Steele. They kept Hendricks. I mean, they can have a four-man this rotation. Guy, this guy, Council needs to come in here and win 90 games this year. Oh, yeah? It's, it's put up or shut up. You win 82 or 83 games, and you, you didn't impress me. No way. you got to win at least 90 games if you're coming. I think this is a 90-win team. I think we might need that last piece to the pitching yeah. staff, Montgomery or Snell. You get one of those guys, man. I mean, look at the pitching. Look but at what Wicks did coming in. Like those additions, Ross could win 90 games. I mean, that's just... When you I mean, win, when you look at this, I don't want to. I don't want to just win ninety games. I need, we need to advance. Right. Need, that's why I say like why, these expectations. I, it's hard to expect to win a pennant with what the Dodgers did. It's very hard. But but the Dodgers, they've had a lot of injuries. Who's to say some of these guys don't go down? And some of these guys have not. The, the new guy from Japan, he's never pitched in the majors I really before. Don't think that, we don't know. I really don't think that Dave Roberts is a very good manager. I think his talent covers him up. I mean. I don't think Roberts is that good. Yeah, I don't have an opinion on him. I don't know. He's loaded with talent, man. He's he's loaded with talent, but it often seems like that talent shrinks when he needs him most, and then he looks bad because of that. I don't know. I can't tell you 100% if he's the guy or not, but I know that his days are numbered if this team don't go. (laughs) If this team team right now. This team, he should be fired on the doorstep the first year out. If this team's not in the World Series, he's fired. I would almost guarantee it. You can't with the money they're spending, unless, like I said, unless you got three or four guys, major guys down with industry uh, injuries. You take out Bats and you take out Otani or something. That's different. But if you got, if that's 
a 99% healthy team or 90% even 90% healthy team going into the postseason, they got to be in the if, World if Series. If that team stays healthy, they got a chance to run down the 116 wins right. I mean, I mean, I mean, this team is good. They're loaded at every single position. I would say if Shohei was pitching, they would have a chance at the best record. I, I think with him not able to pitch this year, I think that holds him back. I think in the, the following year, the the following year is the year you got to watch for because that the kid from Your Japan, he's going to have an extra year Your under his belt. Give up five runs and you can still bail him out. They got so much fire. I know. I know. Yeah, when Man, you look at the Cubs rotation, yeah. I, mean, I kind of feel Cubs like they rotation got... is solid. Well, when you look Add at one you guy got, to it, you got Steele, you got Steele, Shota. I mean, they had Strowman, but he's away. But then you got guys like um, Wicks, Tyone, and Assad, which you really know what to do with them because I I like Assad, but I feel like he's going to go to the bullpen. I'm not sure what you do with Tyone because they spent good money on it. I'd keep Assad over Tyone if it was me. Yeah, but Tyone's never pitched him. I'm fine with one of those guys dropping to mid relief if you put a Snell or a Montgomery in there. Yeah, you get Montgomery, I'd put Assad (laughs) in there at five and Tyone at. yeah, Tyone gives up too many home runs to me. He just gives up the long. Yeah, and also when you look at a guy much. like Tyone, who he he was kind of up and down. But I feel like he's a guy that if he goes into the bullpen, he can he could be like a guy like Drew Smiley, who Drew Smiley was off on the rotation. He goes into the bullpen. He was actually extremely effective. I agree with that. Tyone's awesome. He's, he's he's good. I mean, he pitched yeah, when he pitched against the Yankees, yeah. I was really impressed. He pitched like a one like. One run, eight innings. Smiley put me in my place the way he was coming out of the pen. I don't like him starting, but Didn't I had to eat some Carl crow on Edwards him. Jr. Back too. Yep. I think we did. Yeah, Pete Carl Edwards Jr. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had a moment here, so we'll see what happens. I, I I like the team. Again, it's hard to get super excited with what happened in L.A. this year, you know, and you know that you still got strength over there with the Rays and the Yanks and when the ALEs and the Orioles. I don't know. I mean, I, let's put it this way. If he goes another 10, 12 games and don't have a one in the hit column, he's he's not going to stay up. I mean, he he played – he had a lot of at-bats last year, and he didn't generate a hit. I mean, I'm talking – I think you'd have to look yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah, but it was, tw- it was it was 20-plus at-bats. And uh, let's hope that it's a career like – I think – what did my dad say? I think he said Matt, uh, Mays. Mays started off like one for 27. And his manager told him, I got all the confidence in the world in you. You're my starter. And obviously we know what the Say Hey Kid did for the rest of his career. Let's hope that uh, (laughs) – let's hope that (laughs) – You you ain't going to get 600-plus home runs or anything like that, but if you could just get a solid center fielder that can get you – you know, that could turn into a a leadoff type of guy, that's what we need out of him. If if he don't show it pretty quickly, though – you can't keep him up. I mean, the team's got guys for those positions. I, I, I think you shouldn't start the year up. I think we should put Bellinger in center. And, and Are we still going to have Taco? Because Taco's yeah. a good center fielder. Taco. He's, he's good out there. I know you don't love him, but he's he Taco's belongs a, on the roster, dude. He belongs in the he belongs in the lineup. He's I a take, good player. I take him over wisdom any day of the week, but I'm not, I'm not a huge Taco guy. He's a really good... Defender these out guys there. are all eating into Morel's playing time. Is all these guys? That's are true. Playing. That's, That's true. All guys like Taco are doing. But Morel needs what you need to see out of Morel is you need to see graduation. It's graduation time. You got to stop chasing. 
You got to stop striking out every third time. You got to start seeing those numbers. Not that he won't continue to strike out, but you have to start see graduation, meaning those numbers need to start changing a little bit. I you think see if less he chasing. there consistently and he plays every day, those numbers will change. But when you're when you're when you hit five home runs and then you get put on the bench for a week or a week and a half, it, it's it's hard to have any kind of consistency. We've had players that didn't graduate. And, you know, like Javi Baez, you know, he he looked like he was going to be the next coming and he had one really great year with the Cubs. And outside of that, it was like, he he never learned how to stop chasing bad pitches. Everything became in the field. Everything became a sports center highlight rather than just making the basic plays. Did you hear what he said a couple of days ago? He said, I'm embarrassed with my contract. He said, I'm going to come back this year and have a, have a good season. He said, I'm absolutely embarrassed. Did you hear what Anthony Rendon said? Sometimes home. Showtime guys get sloppy. Oh, you want to talk about the Rendon thing? Go ahead. I did, <laughs> he said I did read about that. baseball was never my number one priority. He got caught in a difficult interview, Rendon, where you know they're going, well, there's teams paying you hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, I mean, it's priority. It's just, you know, I got family and this and that. But, I mean, it was like he, he was acting like baseball is like I no think big deal a, to him. I think that was his number one priority when he was in the World Series. Rendon has been the Angels' version of probably Jason Hayward for us. You know, just in you terms really of just think a he was really the, bad you think signing, you know? when he was uh, in the World Series, like, oh, I have to go to the ballpark to go, go win a World Series. Rendon looked unstoppable when he was in the I World know, Series. but he, he was acting like his whole career he was dragging to go <laughs> play baseball. Oh, I know, yeah. It's, weird. One it's a weird deal. And I, I would have – he ended up – the Marlins ended up signing him. I wouldn't have minded the Cubs taking a shot at Tim Anderson and putting him at third base because if that guy could ever find his form again, that guy can hit. Yeah, he would have been a nice uh, player. He would to have had to go to up. third because you got nowhere else. You got yeah, you got nowhere he, to put him. And, and honestly, I mean, he. I don't. I never liked him at short. With the White Sox, I mean, he. Oh, he's a hitter, no doubt. Oh man, he had a terrible year last year, but the year before that, he he led the league. He he was the batting AL batting champ. If he could ever find it again, that Marlins are going to get a good deal out of that deal. Marlins, I forget, what was the number on that? Just a couple of years and forty million or something. I can't. I, I thought I, I saw even, it. I don't even. I think it was a low amount. Yeah, it and it wasn't a long term, which I love those deals. Yeah. You know, we saw the benefit of it with Belly. And the funny thing is about the Belly deal is I think he opted out of a second year twenty five million twenty. 20 million, and then he ended up going for 30. I mean, obviously that's an upgrade, but it's not so significant that. Or maybe it was 25. I know, I know that with this contract, the third year, if he stays all three years, it's 30, 30, and 20 is how he's going to get paid. I give the Cubs credit for being smart in terms of the the deal that they worked out there, but to me, it's only smart if we see one of these big dog pitchers come through. If we don't see one of these big dog pitchers come through, what are you doing? You got to try to win, win now, and get it done. Go get the Cy Young winner. Bring Snell I, here. Let's go. I like Snell, but I think I'd rather spend the money on Montgomery. I'll I really, take. I really give me do. one of them. Montgomery show me. Showed up when he needed to show up, and and big, yeah, yeah, he clutch, big clutch time moments. Montgomery pitched. I mean, he was. In I agree. He pitched. he pitched in big money situations, high leverage, and I can't believe guys like that are still sitting out on. Yeah, and that's what the that's why the Rangers won the World Series. I mean, they had timely performances. These guys Snell's must a workhorse, dude. Want, these guys Snell. must want astronomical amounts of money. They know it. They know it. And again, you got to look at the ages and think if you can shorten these deals a little bit, it's the way to go. Because pitchers, it's sensitive, man. Boris, the arm goes. They're out Boris for the year. going to have to fold. And he's going to have to come down on the years. Is Boris with both of these guys? I know he's got one of those. I know he's Yo. got Chapman left, and I don't know if he's got both of the pitchers or not. But I know Matt Chapman is, is his guy, too. 
you hate to have to deal with Scott Boris. I think Boris, Boris is, is definitely Snell's guy, I think. But I'm not 100% certain. But but you, you can't. How old, how old how is Snell? I to get Trevor Bauer. Snell's got to be in his 30s. I would maybe. love to get Trevor Bauer. I don't know. He came up pretty young with Tampa Bay. He might be 28, 29 years old. You think he's right there? I'm not sure. I would have to look that up. I would love to get Trevor Bauer. For Tre- is he coming back this year? He's, he a, gonna... he's, a, he's a top five pitcher in the world. He's 31. 31? Okay. Yeah. That's older than I thought he was. That's 2.25 still... ERA last year. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's about as solid as you can get. So, I, I, you know, four years? I'd go four years on him. But, I mean, you got Boris probably trying to have a... <laughs> Let's keep him till he's forty. Years. Yeah, you want seven, eight year deal. You, know, you, yeah. you got a thirty-one year old guy. You can't do that. We got the room right now. The Cubs got the money to spend to get one of those how guys. Much, how much coin they got? Oh man, they had like eighty million that before they did the belly and the other uh, the the, the uh, Japanese pitcher. So they still got they still got like every bit of forty million to spend. They got forty million. They got to spend it. I mean, let's let's get it done. Let's get one of those guys here. You guys got anything else on the Cubs? Um, no. All right, we're moving on. I'll be out there opening day again, like always. You're here in we Texas? go. No, no here, opening here, day. Opener. Home oh, opener, man. Home opener. The home opener. Our home opener. I got eight. I got eight guys so far. I got eight people so far lined up to go in the bleachers. You going roof? Oh, you going rooftop? Oh, you going bleachers? We're going to bleachers. Yeah, like last year we were in the bleachers. We're going back to the bleachers again. That'll I, be fun. I got my buddy Scott Land. He's still waiting to get a seat on the show here. My oh, yeah, yeah. I got to get he's him on. opening day. He's dying to get on. He's a big Purdue fan. He's letting me know that Purdue's out playing Kentucky this year in, in college basketball because Purdue's having a big year. I think they got a good player. They, they got the 80. Right first or second, yeah. Yeah, they're pretty good. But they choked last year, and they were right first or second, too, so we'll see. Let me tell you something, and this obviously is going to be a show topic in the next few weeks with March Madness coming. It's going to be the – because that's when I watch college hoops. I don't watch it right now. I, I wait for the tournament. It's the best. It's fun. It's I, one of the most exciting things I thought you kind was unstoppable. Like, great butter doors. No, I'm going to tell you right now, the, okay, it's wide that. open. I've watched a little bit of hoops. The field is wide open. I'm watching Houston. They're one of the best teams in the country. They got a great defense. They go through lows where they can't score the ball. I mean, these are the types of teams you got. There's nobody that's well-oiled on both sides of the ball. And if you got a team that's really good on defense, a lot of times they'll go through three, four-minute stretches where they can't score. I hate to say it because I can't stand it, but I think Rock Chalk, Jayhawk, might. might Kansas? They need to be at the end of the year. I can't stand Kansas. I, I don't think you can call anybody to run it. I think you could. This is a year you could maybe see a five or six seed in this thing. Texas A and M. Okay, we'll see. I'm it gonna when the come out. I, I'm telling you, this is like wide, it's open. wide open. You just don't know what's gonna happen this year. All right, we're actually moving on this time. Oh, I'm like, you guys are. What the heck is going you guys on here? It's <laughs> Eddie guy from Purdue. What will you do with him in an NBA situation? I mean, this guy's a great better than player, Rich. but. He's a great player, but the way the NBA's played nowadays, does that guy fit anywhere? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the game's changing. A big man that can do a lot of different things. I mean, he's not just a traditional yeah, post. He's not the big shooter from the outside guy. No, I mean, I don't really love the, I don't really love the seven-footer shooting the threes. You know, even like Wemby can do it. But I like yeah. a guy that can work it like Joe. Dallas Mavericks are starting to come on now. They're starting to come on. Mavericks have had a better year already than, than we're expected. But you need guys like – you can have a guy like Chris Epps, Porzingis. But, again, I like more like a Joker type of style where you can work the ball through the guy and he can handle it. He can do that kind of thing. He's got a. He's, there's a place for him. You just don't know how. Joker it's fit is in. so amazing. But he, 
looks like he's going to trip over his own feet when he's out there. And the guy just, he can do everything. I, I was watching him the one time. I'm like, the guy he runs flat-footed. He just looks, he can do everything. His arms kind of swing as he's running. His arms kind of do. swing down the I mean, curve. I'm like, this guy doesn't even really look, but he can do everything. It's That guy's a freak, that guy is. You wouldn't think of players that are so unathletic to be the best in the game. I mean, he's the best right now. And, and Luka's not and really much different. Luka's got a very – no, he's not. Yes, no. Yes. Joker's the best in the game right now. He's got the title from last year to show for it. I mean, he was unstoppable in the playoffs last year. He led his team in every major statistical category. No, Luka's awesome, but Luka has not had – uh, the same postseason success as Joker, where Joker just led his team in everything last year. I mean, he was the sole oh, yeah. reason that he pushed that team through. They had a great team, but Joker was leading the team all the he way. Does, he just looks like a big but Doncic, Doncic is actually similar. He looks like he's a little out of shape. Um, he's obviously a smaller player. He's like he he's more plays that small forward role, but he is very awkward and he knows how to get open and he throws the timing of the game off. You'll see him in the lane and it's like, step, step. You don't know when the shot's going to go up and guys are like totally confused by his movements and he gets open looks all the time and Luca's got no maximum range. That dude can hit from anywhere. He's just like Steph and Dame Lillard from that perspective. I mean, no one can shoot like Steph, but he's got that kind of range where he could comfortably That's why I like that guy. He's, like he's awesome. He's one of the best in the league right now. You got him, you got Shea, you know, Joker, you got Embiid, you got, I mean, there's... It, Who's this, this uh, three-syllable guy? What's... Shea, S-G-A. Is that the guy from Oklahoma City? Yes. Yeah, he's a stud. Is that guy good? He's 30 plus and he gets, he just does whatever he wants. Where he can get shot whenever he wants. Where did he go to college at? He come from? Caden, look him up. I thought he was a Kentucky guy. Where the heck did SGA come from? Look him up, Caden. I, I got to know because I feel you're supposed to know this, Clint, if he went to Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, I should. If he went to Kentucky, I blew that one. Where's he at? SGA. <laughs> Where'd he come from? Looking, looking, looking. Canadian professional basketball player. Here, we got to ask Google. Let's do it. Where did SGA play college hoops? SGA. Listen, listen. Kentucky. <laughs> you should have known that. Kentucky's your school, man. You should have known. Well, our grandpa uh, is from Kentucky, and he is – Caden, stop that. Our grandpa's from Kentucky, so we've watched Kentucky hoops since we were all young, and, and we've always—that's the team we usually pull for. So yeah, I thought he was one and done. You know, it's kind of a common thing there. All right, we're finally third time is a charm. We are moving on. All right, I am following up from my dunk contest talk last week. Caden, you can jump in whenever you want if you got something for me. Quit throwing that ball around because I got to go through my list. This is my top ten. A couple of them I combined together. Uncle Clint, you could jump in. I, I delved into this thing because last week I did my top dunk contest. I heard, I heard. All right, my top 10. I put Spud Webb and McClung together here because they're kind of my small guys and I want them represented in the top 10. McClung, my favorite for him, he did a 540 where he basically did an extra rotation and dunked it reverse and he dunked it clean. He's a small dude. And then I put Spud Webb's 360 in there to round out my top 10. I like those two. I'd just like to say it's embarrassing that we got a G League guy that's going to come in here and save our dunk contest because... Our big, high-profile players think that they're too good to get into the dunk competition. I think I think they should mandate those guys or fine them if they don't get in the, in the, in the dunk competition because you shouldn't have a D-League player carrying the, the, the dunk competition. I'm not saying that he shouldn't be in, but he shouldn't be the highlight of the show. You should make some of these big-time players. 
athletes get in or they should be fined. I mean, it, 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 we got but, the guys. I don't think like LeBron. I don't think he's ever. Competed. He never did it, and LeBron should have done it. But we got the guys right now to make it special with Ant, uh, Anthony Edwards. John Morant and Zion Williamson, those guys can make it special. If Zion, if Zion can stop eating, he might be good. And Zion can still get up, and Zion can still be in a dunk contest, and he should be. Here's my number nine. This one was snuck in there for me. I didn't know this dunk. Dennis Smith Jr. took a pass from J. Cole. This was in 2019. J. Cole was sitting in a chair. J. Going back to hip-hop, J. Cole's top, J. Cole's top ten, baby. Oh, J. Ten. Uh, J. Cole throws it up. And Dennis Smith Jr., who cannot palm the ball. If you remember, there was another guy back when we were kids, Sean Kemp. They said he couldn't palm the ball. Dennis Smith Jr. jumps over J. Cole and is almost completely sideways when he dunks it. It was just, YouTube this, one of the sickest dunks I've seen. His body's almost completely like horizontal to the floor, and he throws it down. And he doesn't palm the ball. He cocks it all the way back, doesn't palm it. That's my nine. Here, from, from eight to six, I'm going all MJ and Neek. I got MJ from the foul line. I got MJ's kiss the rim. So eight is MJ foul line. Seven is kiss the rim, where MJ takes off from outside the lane, kind of turns the body sideways, brings it in on almost like a half windmill. You would know it. He used to show that one in slow motion where he's coming in from the side. They call that his kiss the rim. Six, I go with Neek in the 88 contest against Jordan, where he bounced it off the backboard, jumped from like the broken line, caught it and looked like his arm was like six feet long where he just reached out, dunked it off the front of the rim and then pulled himself through. It's one of those dunks that I feel like he misfired and then it ended up becoming so special because of how far he had to reach out to grab it. Coolest dunk ever. And before I get into my top five here, I have to say, Neek and Jordan constantly, I look back at this, they constantly did the same dunks. They just perfected them. Neek had windmills from every which way, two hand, one hand, and they were powerful. They would rock the did, rim. Did Dr. J or Larry Nance get any love? Because these were the guys that actually started the dunk competition. No, they're not on my top 10 dunks, but Dr. J had the first free throw line dunk. Deserves an honorable mention. Larry Nance had the up and under swoop, and he did the two ball dunk. What Those are my favorite Skywalker. Skywalker's not in my top 10, but wow. Skywalker was a powerful dunker. Probably did the best 360 hammer dunk I've ever seen. But this top five, dude, I, I can't. You gotta have Jordan and Neek in there. And then these guys today are just, I'm telling you, they're just flat out better. They they it's a, some of the stuff that Levine and Gordon did, they rounded off this list for me. How do you not put Levine's under the leg in 2016 ahead of Jordan when he dunked from the free throw line under his leg? From the free throw line, like from the same spot Jordan was dunking from, and put it under his leg in the air and dunked it. I got Levine's under the leg from the free throw line in 2016 as my number five unbelievable man it's unbelievable stuff i got gordon the hoverboard dunk as my number four from the 2016 the 2016 i might have to go back and say it was the best even over the vinsanity one there was like six fifties in this thing the hoverboard where he grabbed it touched behind his head as a tribute to carl malone on the spin off the thing holding off the mascot hold spinning on the hoverboard throws it down unbelievable dunk then i go back to levine for my number three where he does a in the air behind the back, while he's in the air, goes around his back and just dunks it. Now, keep in mind, these dunks are clean. These are not, oh, just getting a man. They're like, you can just hear them finish. Whop! You can hear, I mean, it, they're just perfect dunks. This Gordon and Levine, unreal. My number two, Jason Richardson, 2003, combines a little bit of everybody where he comes at it, he goes 
under the leg reverse, so from the from the backside. So he brings it rather than bringing it under the left and then dunking with the right, he brings it under the right leg, catches with the left and reverses it in the air. One of the best dunks I've ever seen. Jason Richardson is a top he's a top 4 dunker. He's a top 4 dunker and the list my number 1 I ended up putting in a tie. I got a 1A and 1B. One dunk had a gimmick, one dunk did not. The dunk that did not Vin Sanity, reverse 360 windmill, 2000. No one's ever seen anything like it. Guy comes out, hammers it through clean, and then when he landed, he kind of spun his body back the other way and just had everybody so hype. No one had ever seen anything like it. Kenny Smith with the let's go home, let's go home. And then my tie for first is Gordon's jump over the mascot, where he jumps over the magic mascot and in the air takes it under both legs. And then puts it, and then dunks it behind his head, clean with the left. So he's jumping over a mascot, under both legs, left hand behind the head, clean through the rim. Those two, those for me, were the top two dunks I've ever seen. I I watch this stuff. The best dunkers of all time are Vince Carter one, Zach Levine two, Aaron Gordon three, and Jason Richardson four. I say that with confidence. Jason Richardson, go back and watch this guy's dunks. This guy used to do dunks where he kept his legs straight up and down. So they look totally different than anybody you've ever seen because while he's dunking, he just left his legs just kind of hang, and they looked really cool. He was doing like uh, he was doing Dominique-type windmills where he just left his legs straight up. Some cool stuff from him. Uh, YouTube, all the 50-point dunks in NBA history. You'll have some Nance on there, Nance with the two balls, um, Dr. J with the first free throw line dunk. But what really stood out to me was the fact that Neek and Jordan, who from our generation were considered the greatest dunkers of all time, unreal stuff from them. They were probably better in-game dunkers. Neek was probably the greatest in-game dunker of all time because he used to just twist his body sideways and still throw it down. But they essentially recirculated the same dunks over and over and over. Jordan would do the same dunk in the same competition twice. Uh, he dunked from the free throw line in 85, 87, 88. I mean, he did it in almost every competition. It was getting 50s for it. You, you know a guy I would have liked to see be about 6'5 or 6'6 six, six is Allen Iverson. Oh, yeah. If Allen Iverson was about 6'5 or 6'6, six, six, we may be talking about another greatest player of all time because that guy, that guy can flat out ball, but he was only 5'10". Or six foot, I think he was listed at. But. I could not agree with you more, man. If you went and saw Allen Iverson play live, Allen Iverson was like something you've never seen. He would go to the rim at 5'10 with reckless abandon and just go up and play against the biggest, baddest teams. Never, never scared, no fear. And Dang, no fear. he was unreal. And to think about AI in a category where he really didn't apply himself as much as he could have. Remember practice and all that stuff? I mean, he really wasn't. He was that kind of player where he was not. He probably didn't put in 100% effort. I mean, obviously he did during the games. But, I mean, if he was putting in all the off-season work like some of the other top guys, he may have even been better. Like he was hear, special. Like dude. you hear Kobe and these guys shooting 5,000 shots a, game, a day and stuff like that. Hey, I wasn't doing that. <laughs> Allen Iverson was not shooting no 5,000 shots a day. No. Allen no Iverson time. was like, are you talking about a guy you want to show up, give him the ball? That's Allen Iverson. He's that kind of guy. He was that kind of special he, talent. He, God, he was awesome. Oh, yeah, man. He delivered at such a – and that's why I like guys like – 
Charles Barkley. Say what you want about him. This guy was going against guys six inches to ten inches taller than him every single night, and he was produced. Pop quiz. Only one guy's won the three the three uh, the slam dunk competition three times. He's not in the top ten. Do you know who it is? He's small. One he had a run with the Bulls. He Michael played for Jordan. the Bulls for a minute. No, not Michael Jordan. Three times dunk champion. Zach Levine. Nope. Played for the Bulls. Nate, Nate Robinson. Robinson. Nate Robinson. Tiny Nate Robinson won three times. Three-time champion. No kidding. I don't. I, I'm almost 100 percent on this. I got to check the stat, but I'm pretty sure he was a three-timer. He had a dunk that almost made my list. Spud Webb bounces it. He had Spud Webb come out with the Spud Webb jersey on. I can't believe Spud's not in any top ten. That Spud, no, Spud was my ten. The 360. Okay, okay, I have Spud and McClung as my top as my as my ten A ten B. Spud with his size. The timing of Spud Webb at five seven to get this done, and Robinson I think was five nine. Uh, there was a dunk where Spud drop, um, bounces it off the floor. Robinson comes, jumps over Spud, catches it. He might have went under the leg. I'm not sure if he went under the leg, but he came over Spud, legs out sideways, and just hammered it home. It was pretty cool. That was a 50-point dunk. If you YouTube all the NBA dunk contest 50-point dunks of all time, you'll see a ton of Jason Richardson. You'll see a ton of Aaron Gordon. Um, yeah. And there, the one guy that I thought I could have put on the list, but he made the dunks look too easy, was Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard won the dunk contest twice. He was like seven feet. He did a dunk from behind the hoop. He competed, though. He Dude, he jumped from out of bounds. He did a dunk from out of bounds. He jumped from out of bounds. He quarter off the backboard. Oh, my God, dude. He dunked, from, he dunked on a 12-foot hoop, Howard. I mean, Howard did took a quarter off the top of the backboard and left change up there. Hey, when we get into in-game dunkers, and this guy won a dunk contest. But Is that we, Kenny Hawkins? I don't know who did. He didn't leave change. He left change. He said he put 15 cents in his hand. Put a quarter. That was like a cool That was a cool Papa Bell there. story right there. I don't know about that. That was like cool Papa Bell. Cool Papa Bell, didn't you? <laughs> cool Papa Bell was so fast that we hit the ball up the middle. He had to stop at second base and let it go through. Is he the guy that... Uh, <laughs> Well, they said he would shut off the lights yeah, and be in bed for <laughs> 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 Oh, no, he shut said, the lights off and be in bed before the room Satchel got dark. Page said that was true because <laughs> they stayed in such rundown places that the lights would flicker and flash before he could find the <laughs> But leave a change on the back of the back burner. We were saying, oh, me and Dad man. were saying that we think that Chamberlain could touch the top of the backboard because if he could, they said he had a 45 inch vertical and Chamberlain was like 7'2". If you run the numbers, so can he on actually the, take a quarter off the top. He should be able to with that vertical at that height. Take a quarter off the top of the bed. Chamberlain should have, if, if Chamberlain legit had a forty-five inch vertical. Chamberlain should have been able to take it off the top of the backboard. Unreal, <laughs> unreal, man. Chamberlain was an unreal athlete. Man. He was like did a. You ever, did you change your opinion on Chamberlain after doing some research? I think he's top three. I, Chamberlain's in my top three. I, I I can't. I don't know. The order we can talk about and argue, but God, the guy still holds like seventy records. I don't, and I don't care that he only won two titles. Titles, he was dominant. If he was in Bill Russell's spot, he'd had eleven championships. Oh God, yeah. Oh my God, he won thirteen championships. He might not have lost that. Dude, Wilt was unbelievable. Oh, he played against guys six seven. That's like saying that Wemby, because he's you know seven five and he's playing against guys six eleven, should be. You know, scoring right, fifty yeah. a night—that don't fly. Chamberlain was a beast. He I was a phenomenal athlete. Him. I would love to see him play during during the 
Jordan era, because I think, in my opinion, that's the most physical time basketball was played, like was in the 80s. The 80s, for sure. These guys nowadays, there's hardly no physicality in a game compared to what it was when we were kids. I mean, when you went in the the lane against Beer and and Rick Mahorn and those guys, you were going to get taken out. You weren't just going to get no little pity pit. These guys were raking you to the ground. See, the nineties, the nineties had rough teams. The nineties yeah. had rough teams like the Knicks and the. That's, and the Pistons. that's the kind but of hey, basketball that I like, dude. But that's the eighties for me is so hard to. But watch the eighties, the whole game was rough. In the nineties, you had a couple of bad boy teams: the Pistons, bad boys, the Knicks. But the the eighties, the, the whole game was. A guy like, like Larry Bird today in today's game, he'd probably have just thirty five again. Oh. No, no question about it. The guy could shoot. And they don't play no defense on him. You give Bird open three point jump shots all day. He's averaging thirty plus. There's there's no doubt in my mind. Larry Bird. If you look at the first nine years of Larry Bird's career, it stacks up against any first decade of play. Uh, any any NBA and player in history couldn't jump over a pop can, but man, he could do everything. He got hurt, man. If if you. If he could have stayed healthy, like I said, just look at the look at the beginning of his career. Look at his first decade. It stacks you know up against he got anybody. Got anybody. Hurt putting a concrete driveway in for his old man. That's how he hurt his back. Jesus. That's the kind of stuff that uh that bird was doing. He was well, still mowing his lawn. French lick, you know, he's <laughs> mowing his lawn, putting in concrete driveways. There's only one place I'd rather be. French Lick. <laughs> that was what Bird said at the Indiana. He's in Boston at the ceremony, and there's a million people there. And you should ride there and go by Larry Bird's old house in French Lick, Indiana. It's not that far away. I was going to say that's not. Man, it's Bird not. was awesome. But yeah, His the game's house is the original house he lived in is still there. All right. This has been a fun one. We are looking forward to bringing some March Madness talk to the show. I got a couple of uh, guests I'm putting on the calendar. Where is. Shoe getting on. I mean, I've been advocating for shoe here for months. We had a scheduling conflict with the Thursdays, but now that we're going Sundays, I think we're gonna we're gonna get him on. We got some LT guys that want to get on. I got some other people that uh, I don't want to commit to them yet because right. I haven't got full confirmation. Right. So I don't want to get everybody pumped up for getting on. Anytime, whenever you're set up, and we can arrange it, he'll be on. He can come on. A lot of people want to talk sports, and I tell them if we bring on like certain guys, if they're college athletes and so forth, things like that, yeah. we usually do like an interview with them, like we did with Coop, and that's fun because you right. just get to hear somebody's story, kind of their journey. And things like so that's always good to and do. Coop said he's going to get some more LT guys in too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. He's got I some buddies. He's got some buddies that he played with, and he thinks those guys will be interested in coming on. So, but this has been a good one. Again, it's kind of a, it's a little bit of, I don't want to call it dead season, but there's not. Every league is kind of in their regular season right now. The next big thing to go down is going to be your March Madness. Well, hockey and NBA kind of run together. They go into playoffs together. And hockey's not going to get a ton of play on here, even though we, we got Tom this Bedard. Bedard kid. And we will talk about him occasionally. But outside of Bedard. He scored like three goals. In the outside of Bedard, you're not getting a ton of play on here. Unless, you know, we end up with a big-time hockey guy or something that we could get on here. So, again, remember to like us, follow us, Spotify, or Apple, wherever you get your pods. We appreciate it. Thanks so much for being with us. Have a great night, though.